welcome to Brotherly Pod. Here it is, uh, Thursday, July 6, 2023 here. And the off-season is officially in full bloom. I believe development camp just wrapped uh, a couple minutes ago. Um, all of our uh, highlights and fantasies were going to have to go away for a little while. <laughs> no, um, I'll get over it, I'm sure. Got a lot of stuff to recap here from the off-season. Noah is back. Noah? Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? You know, I'm on a show with you, so how good can I be doing? <laughs> Amazing. I I can see it <laughs> on your face. <laughs> and uh, joining us tonight, Dan Marcus is on the show. Dan, what's going on? Good to be here, gentlemen. Very excited to talk to my Flyers hockey. Good to meet you, Noah. It's nice to meet you, too. And, well, where do we even begin Lots of signings have popped up. I believe last time Noah was on was draft night. Yep. So uh, well, you've missed all the fun of the, the off-season signings here and whatnot. I have, I have. Some so, some guys, some dudes, yeah, some depth guys. We, we got some solid guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, what, we just signed Victor Mete yesterday? Victor Mete. Ronnie Edward finally got his extension as well. Uh, we got... Uh, Garnet Hathaway uh, a few days ago. The biggest yep. fish of them are Mark Stahl here in 2023. Yes, Mark Stahl. <laughs> Mark Stahl talking talking about when the Flyers uh, won in the shootout in 2010 to go on that magical cup final run. Yeah, this guy wasn't good 10 years ago, and now we got to get him at uh, 36 <laughs> years old. So. Hey, it's the Stahl brother name, Daniel. <laughs> they couldn't even get Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl is my favorite player growing up. We ought to get Mark. <laughs> God. Oh man. I mean, I don't. I don't fully understand the Garnet Hathaway deal. Nick really. Delore was lonely on the fourth line. They needed another. <laughs> uh... I guess. Yeah. Like, if anything, get like a get a gritty fourth line center because <laughs> that I feel like we're. More need for a fourth line center than a. That's what Ryan Paling is here for. Paling, Sarah Palin. I think that's how you pronounce that name. It's Ryan Paling. I think it's Paling. Yeah. Yes. Dumb. More French people. Just what we need. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it. That Mark Stahl signing just caught me off guard as well. Like, it, why are we signing this thirty-six-year-old guy? Because most likely, if Mark Stahl wasn't signed, we'd probably have. A young guy paired with a veteran on each D pairing anyway. Theoretically. Like, I saw your uh, your realistic your uh, look at what the D could look like this upcoming season. I was so angry writing that piece. <laughs> oh, I can feel... You can angry? Feel <laughs> yeah, believe anger. it or not. I can feel the frustration seeping through every word that, of that entire article. And you know what? I, I shared a lot of it. Because, I mean, with with these signings, like, how long have we been saying Zamula should be up and in, in the NHL? And the Ivan Provorov trade felt like that was signaling that this was Zamula's time to get sheltered minutes on the third pairing this you year. You would think, yeah. And then they get Mark Stahl. Of course, we still have Nick Sealer. I mean, I was hoping that Ronnie Adder would be able to Nick get Seals some. Too much. He gets very, he gets very aggravated by that too. <laughs> he True. does. 
And then, you know, Ronnie Adderd, I was hoping that he would have a bigger role. I'm not sure how big of a role he'll have this year. It seems like he'll probably be in and out of the lineup throughout the year. So Zamola's contract is one way. Not that it particularly matters because he's not yes. making any semblance of money, but it usually indicates that they anticipate him being in the NHL. Adderd's next contract is a two-way this year and then a one-way in two years. So right. that should pretty much indicate how they feel about this guy this season. So it so it seems like they're not really banking on Adderd to be a mainstay on the Flyers. Which is dumb because Adderd should be the one. Uh, Adderd has the higher ceiling of the two between he and Zamula. Yes. So I, I fully agree. And he's the right-handed guy. Why? That was exactly. the thing um, with Mark Stahl more than anything. You know, I mean, Breer flat out admitted, well, we got him because Tortorella knows him. And it's like, oh, great. You know, we need somebody that can translate Tortorella to English here to, for the rest of the team. <laughs> right. But like, I, I think, guys, you know, think of, you know, he's almost replacing what Braun was doing. But, Dan, to your point, I think, you know, if he was a right shot, that would even things out better. But, uh, as has a left shot there, it doesn't work as well. But I, I like the veteran, you know, adding a veteran. But again, Dan, to your point, you know, when are the kids going to play? When are we going to, when are these kids going to get a shot here? That That's my thing. The the story of the offseason thus far is just, you know, and, and listen, I've taken a shit ton of flack on the old Twitter over the last few days for suggesting that the Flyers should play the prospects during a rebuild. Yeah, that's apparently a very hot take, by the way. Oh, yeah, I've Mark Stahl is just, you know, <laughs> like, Mark Stahl would have made sense if you got rid of Nick Sealer, but you didn't. Yeah. Uh, you have too they're, many they're bodies here. Guy. Yeah, I mean, I saw, and, you know, everyone has the same exact response to Al. All of the all the signings that we've made so far, do you know what the reasoning behind them for every fan is? Well, we can flip them at the trade deadline, right? And get right. and get and so I was like a sixth round. You can flip them for like a sixth round pick at the trade deadline, and that's so valuable to rebuild. So like, really? We just yelled and screamed because Kevin Hayes got traded for a sixth rounder, and now suddenly that's that's very good for us. Like, and you know what? On. Mikey D made a good. I think it was Mikey D on Twitter. And he made a good point about this. If the Flyers are in the market to sign veterans for the purposes of flipping them at the trade deadline, why not take a run at somebody like Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko exactly. or Matt Dumba? Sign them to a high AAV one-year deal and then flip them at the deadline for an actual asset. Best case scenario. Absolute best case 100% scenario. What the fuck are you going to get for Mark Stahl at the trade deadline? A fourth-round pick? Ooh! That's best case. Maybe it, it, like a sixth or seventh if you're lucky. That's not, that, that doesn't make any sense. You're taking away playing time from the kids for a seventh round pick eight months from now. Woo exactly. fucking who? So <laughs> stupid. It, it, that, that is my whole thing. It's like, it's like, you know, I, like you're saying, if you're going to trade a guy at the trade deadline, if you're going to flip a guy, make it worth something. Like, so what if we have like four or five sixth rounders and like, Three fifth rounders, like okay. Have twenty seven sixth round picks next season. <laughs> you guys are it's over for this league at that point. Like you know, I see all these people saying like Travis Konechny and, and Scott Long could be traded at the deadline, and you know that's an actual like those are players who are who can get a big haul at the trade deadline. They could, Mark but even Stahl? then, they just had career years. They should have been traded during the off season when their value was at its peak. I 100% agree with you. Everything about this just... 
it, the, the, that, the undying loyalty to Briere through all this, and people are so hesitant to poo-poo on the guy just yet. Yeah, but so I, many I, of these I, decisions are questionable under the parameters of the rebuild they're supposedly working on. It is, it's very, like, obviously Danny Briere been officially the GM for, like, a, about a month or so. So, like, He's he's early into his into his uh, tenure as Flyers GM. He's had some home runs like like uh, the program trade, trade and Mitchkov was awesome. Yes, everything else was varying degrees then, of questionable. And every, even the Mitchkov thing, like, are we really gonna celebrate Danny Briere doing the bare minimum and <laughs> yeah, picking yeah. a generational talent? That's a very Ron Hextall thing that, to do. We're gonna celebrate this guy drafting somebody. Like, obviously. Obviously, you know, Danny Briere, I, I I don't want to also discount what because I get the sense that Danny Briere really did help make Mitchkov want to be a flyer. Sounded I'm like they sure. wheeled and dealed this guy. Yeah, it seems like it seems like a lot wine of wine and dine. Is the better phrase in that one? Doesn't I guess matter. that'd Continue. be a better. <laughs> but it seems like Danny Briere and co did a really good job at making. I, I don't know how much interest Mitchkov had with Philly before these meetings but it seemed like after the meetings Mitchkov was a lot more comfortable with coming to philly and was a lot more excited about coming to philly and you know i think i'm not sure if chuck fletcher could have really done that could have excited Mitchkov as much as danny briere did but also like i said he, Mitchkov fell to us it's not like it's not like danny briere's like taking a reach on a guy it's not like he's Pulling a uh, wasn't a diamond in the rough cider. in the fifth round right. or something. Yeah, like he's not that. he's not getting he's not picking more at cider, and everyone's like, "That's an awful pick." And then like two years later, everyone's like, "Holy shit, this is this is a phenomenal pick." Like this looks like a really good pick now, and I'm sure it's gonna look like a even better pick in a few years. What's your take but, on uh, Danny Briere in the offseason thus far, Dan? Well. I'll, I'll say this: I was I, I quickly grew uh, sick and tired of their media their media tour and the, you know, just the, the, you know the non-specific talk. I, I, it got old very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dan, Dan, a lot of my takes are you know tend to align with yours and just that's forget, good. That's what I like around here. <laughs> yeah, forget the I forget that Keith Jones is a great guy. Like, let's see what they do. And, and you know, it's it's very early in the tenure, but. I am encouraged by the moves. Uh, again, not not everyone is perfect. Again, I think I, I wish they had gotten more for Hayes, things like that. But I am encouraged overall, willing to give these guys uh, certainly a shot. Yeah, I, I, I do think the long term picture is is good, but a lot of these short term decisions are are just completely baffling. You know, and that that. You know, I had somebody on Twitter last night was yelling at me, and they said, "Well, you know, the new regime's only been here for a couple months. You got a good time." And I'm like, "The new regime significantly backed themselves into a corner with a lot of these moves. Mark Stahl and Garnet Hathaway, and it's like in the very short term of this development, you know, people are talking about Tyson Forster. And it's like Forster's going to make the roster, and I'm like, listen, Forster should be making the roster, but there are seven right wings right now that could reasonably yep. make this team." the fuck is Tyson Forrester going to make this roster? Oh, we'll just throw him on the left side. Well, okay, listen. 
If a player can naturally transition between positions, great, that's an added benefit, more power to you, but not everybody can do that. Oh, we're just throwing Tippett on the left. Just throw Allison on the left. Throw Forrester on the left. No, it doesn't work like that. Like, you got to set these guys up to succeed to some level. And Dan, that- it, it, yeah, it drove me crazy when they played, you know, Cam York last year. I, I guess maybe it was with Yandel uh, two years ago. Oh, God, played- it was Sealer and Yandel that- two years ago. They did it with Zamula and Sealer last year, too. Drives me. It bothers me more with defensemen, Dan, than forwards. But still, why? Why is why isn't Cam York being played where he's most likely to succeed? Who cares about Keith Yandel and his minus forty-seven plus <laughs> minus? <laughs> that green jacket. Yeah. Hey, real well, quick, yeah. guys, back to Mitchkov too. I don't know if you guys heard on uh, on the uh, Spitting Chicklets today. They were you know reviewing the draft and all, and they um, I guess I hadn't heard this, but. They were talking about Mitch Coffin's, you know, potential, you know, attitude issues. And they floated a quick story about him supposedly kicking a teammate. I don't know if that's news or not, but I had not Josh heard Harding that. Everybody. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard about that. I also don't really listen to spinning checklists. Uh, that's I, all we I'm need, not, though. If this guy can put yeah. a skate in everyone's ass at this point, I'm all for it. I'm like, I... I'm not opposed to him, like, being a little more selfish. He could I'm, be a dick. I do think a lot of this stuff just boils down to, like, different cultures and, and not necessarily yeah. understanding. Well, he's the, this guy, he looks nice. He's, like, 5'9", super friendly, blonde, big fucking cheeks. Hi, guys! And then he's big fucking mean rock. With the bodyguards. And I'm like, all right, this fucking guy's scary as shit. Like, I could definitely understand where some of the, uh, you know, misinterpretation through that comes through. And, yes. you know, and if he's a yeah. driven winner to begin with, yeah, you know what? I want him to have a little bit of edge and grit in that personality. Absolutely. You know, another thing Agreed. is this is an 18 year old kid we're talking about. I mean, like, obviously, we have seen some 18 year old kids in the past few drafts who have had some character issues, but generally, like, but. When we're talking about like a guy like like Mitchell Miller or um, Logan Morello the, or whatever Christ's name is, or um, Montreal kid, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- those were like, and people were like, "Oh, well, he deserves a second chance." It's like, well, they committed crimes. Yes, like those were crimes that they committed, right? And and I mean, Mitchkov, if he's a bit of a dick uh, at eighteen years old, if he's selfish, I mean, kicking a teammate isn't the best look. Is it's not a great look. But as we've seen, that people are willing to... He got him with the side of his foot, not the skate. He'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if he's he's selfish or or a bit of a dick at 18, like, that's a maturing problem. That's something that he he can mature out of. And, you know, and I think that he can... I think that he will develop into a better person, I guess. But I'm... I'm also not entirely sure if that's true. I don't know. I don't really know it. But also with Mitchkov, that should free up a lot of the right wing. But there's another fucking right wing. Yeah. God. Because here's the thing. I was thinking about this like in in like four or five years. Owen Tippett and Travis Konechny could very well be gone. They're going to be here on massive, maxed-out eight-year contracts now, actually. (laughs) I I don't want to think about that. (laughs) But realistically, like, you you could have a really solid right-wing core, like a top three right-wings of potentially Mitchkov, Forster, 
and Bobby Brink. Yeah. As your as your one, two, three that on the should right be side. how it goes in a few years' time, but uh, at this it rate. It should be. You know, Garnet Hathaway I mean, is going to be here. and <laughs> I swear, if Garnet Hathaway turns into, like, what we did to Justin Braun, where he's just, we brought him in, and he was supposed to be here for, like, a year, maybe two. Here for and the then next he keeps 16. getting uh, re-signed and re-signed. You know, between I, I, Delorier... Hathaway and Paling, they have a combined 213 penalty minutes last season. So, doesn't you know. have no move to. Delorier does have a no trade for that, the next three years. God, is that, that a trade the whole time? Holy shit. So, did you oh, know? Damn. So, uh, I, I, I do have work on a, on a piece about no trade clauses or no movement no trade clauses in the nhl compared to the other three major professional sports did you know that before free agency i did all the numbers before free agency there were over 200 no movement or no trade clauses yeah, I believe that's it. an average of over six per team there are really six players per team that deserved no movement clauses? No. So you know what, guys, too? Dan, you'll love this. I think on that that Ray Ferraro podcast he does with Darren Drager, he talked about no movement clauses, and he drilled down specifically, Dan, relax here, on on, on, on Travis Sanger. <laughs> I swear, you guys should listen to it. And, and guys, the question was simple. What had Travis Sanheim done? Forget even the eight years and all that. What did he do? What did he do to earn a no movement clause? You give those out to superstars, to top of the rosters. What? Why? Yep. Why does that man? Again, it gets me insane. A hundred percent. I mean, like you, I was looking at like basketball. I, some isn't there some one in have, the entire league right now in the yeah. NBA? yeah. Right now, there's one. So, yeah. Bradley Beal is the only player with an explicit no trade clause. In his contract, and he was the first one. NBA is all about trades, though. That's why they welcome yeah. trades and super teams and shit like that. I mean, NHL doesn't want any of that. I know that the the NBA and the MLB have these rules with like with contracts, or they don't need to have a no trade clause in it, but like they give them veto powers. Like I, I don't remember exactly how it is with the NBA. It, I think it's like a certain type of contract, like how you resign it in a certain amount of years or whatever. By knowing the MLB, there's the 10 and 5 rule where if you have 10 yes. years of experience in the MLB and five years with that same team, you do have the ability to veto trades. And so uh, if I remember correctly, the MLB has about one player uh, as a little bit over one player per team on average uh, that has the ability to veto a trade. And the NFL is also, I couldn't find any specific number, but I do know a couple years ago, there were like, there were nine guys in the league with, with a, a clause like that. And speaking of, the Eagles have only handed out one ever. And that was just to Jalen hurts this past off season. Hmm. So like these other sports, you see that like, it's these top guys or like guys that are the guys that are valuable enough vets, to a team. Yeah. yeah, the guys who are valuable enough to a team that they're sticking around for years and years. Those are the type of guys that are getting these clauses. And that makes sense. You you I don't think you should be giving out a no trade clause to a guy who's 
going to be a second line pairing defenseman. I don't think Seattle right. has 13. Wow. Seattle, like it, that was before free agency. So like it was insane. Arizona, I, I don't believe they handed one out this free agency. They only have one, which makes sense. Yeah, a handful, Not, a handful, less than yeah. three on a team. It hands yeah, like, your general manager. Like a, a team like Tampa might be able to, I could, you could argue, could hand out a bit more, like because they have way more superstars. But like, there should be no reason why teams have like almost half the roster. Like you, you can't trade them to whoever it. It destroys the trade market entirely. And then focusing back on Sanheim, I've had people say, oh, well, they can still trade him whenever. And, like, that's technically true if Sanheim wants to cooperate with you. You could still trade him. You could trade him now if you really wanted. But we just saw Tory Krug flash that no trade and said, fuck you, I'm not leaving. Sanheim could do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, Dan. So, again, I think Frank Saravelli, you're absolutely right, claims that, you know, he he might approve a trade to, like, a Calgary or Winnipeg because, I guess, what, he's from there. He played in, he played yeah. junior in Calgary and all that. But someone also said, I saw on Twitter, where he, I don't know if you guys saw this, he, he, was, he was affected by the trade talk. I don't exactly know what that means. Oh, no, his play's going to be worse next season. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but. I, I took that as to you know, maybe if they approached him, you know, you know, you know, would he waive it again? He just signed it a year ago. I don't know why he'd waive it a year later, to be honest. Like, right, I, if he, feels if he like wants he's... to go play for a competitive team and I'm like, if he wanted to play for a competitive team, he wouldn't have resigned with the Flyers in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, right. I, I, I always question people like Sanheim and what their you know mentality is locking themselves up long term to a team like Flyers when you're 27 years old already. I also don't understand this whole, there's this whole thing. And I I saw, I don't remember who said it. It might've been Dan Silver. It it might've been Charlie O'Connor. Someone mentioned uh, that some of these no trade clauses, the amount of like no trade clauses, and maybe even these long-term deals for these mediocre players could be because the GMs haven't had the, the money to give these guys more attractive contracts. So giving them incentives like no trade clauses or longer yeah, term you know, would add more value, which makes sense. You cut so, down on some AAV by giving them some trade protection. Exactly. And, and, you know, I get and that. And in this day and age with the flat cap, I think it was, yeah, I, I do think that stuff was going away for a little while pre-pandemic. I, I, there was probably, if you looked at, you know, five years ago, the number of no trades versus pre-pandemic or uh, post-pandemic flat cap era, it probably goes sure, from yeah. a lot to a low back to a lot again because – you know, that was that was Hextall's bread and butter was he didn't do that shit. You know, he didn't give anybody those movement clauses. And yeah. then uh, you know, Fletcher rolls around and gives them to everybody. And like Nick Delorier, like <laughs> that was the most puzzling one. Like I was looking at a lot of the I, I was I was going through how many trade clauses are are in the NHL a couple days before free agency started. And just the one, the one that that freaked me out, or not freaked me out, the one that confused me the most was Nick Delorier. Like that contract, it's not that great already, and then you add in the no trade clause, and it's like, why? Just why? What's the if point? It, if you remember, 
when they quizzed Fletcher about that, he, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, he said something about there was a, a lot of competition for his services. Mm-hmm. So don't offer it and roll the dice. You can pick up a Nick DeLore anywhere, I mean, down the road. Another ridiculous, ridiculous Fletcher signing. There are times and places for depth guys like Delorier and Hathaway. There absolutely are, but the Flyers are nowhere close to that point in time where these guys make any sense on your roster. Right. When you're about to win, you're about to. Yeah, if you want a cup team and you want those dirty grinders that actually have hockey value like Delorier and Hathaway, great. You know, that's what teams do. It's what a lot of these playoff teams have, like Pat Maroons and shit like that. But the Flyers just don't have that yet. We're not here yet. If we were like a couple years more into the rebuild, that would make sense. Signing like Nick Delorier without the no trade clause and like Garnet Hathaway, that would make a lot more sense. It just, it, it feels like... And, you know, I've been talking to people about the, the Garnet Hathaway and Mark Stahl trade uh, signings. And they're like, well, what do you want? The entire roster to be kids? It's like, yes, it's like yeah, you're rebuilding. Like Why is that such a complicated thought? How many times I've had people in the last few days tell me, well, Daniel, we can't, uh, can't play the kids. Why the fuck is Zamula and Adder not in the lineup right now? Why did you box out Tyson Forrester? Why is Konechny still here? Why is Sandheim still here? Why didn't you sell these pieces? Why didn't you add a bunch of depth guys on top of that? Why are the kids not playing? What yeah. the fuck are we accomplishing with this fucking Marcella signing? Ah, oh, that drives me nuts. Well, I have something else to add there. I could not agree more. And also, too, it's not like we don't have veterans on the team to help the kids yep. with the Atkinsons and the Couturiers, even the the Konechnys and some others. Like, it's like we're, we're, we don't have any veterans to help these kids. We didn't need to to sign these guys, in my opinion. I don't think I don't think we really needed to either. And people say, where's the veteran presence on the D? It's like. We got Sean Walker, who has several years of NHL experience. True. Razzis was the line in. Travis and Sanheim. We got, we got Nick Sealer. We got Travis Sanheim. We have yep. veterans on the back. Do you end. really want these kids learning from goddamn Mark Stahl in the first place? Hi, Cam York. Here's Mark Stahl. He sucked at his peak, and now he's 36. Congratulations. And then, I mean, like you said, on, on like it feels like we're just running it back with, like, Minor change. The Provorov trade doesn't even really free up a spot because we already knew that that was to get Cam York, that top left-handed. Well, uh, theoretically, position. wait until Sandheim's your top oh, lefty, was, and York's still on the that's right. That's how we were hoping, and you know that would open up a spot for Zamula. But then on offense, we got we're getting back Couturier and Atkinson. Yeah. So Hayes Who, losing Atkinson, Hayes, and you replaced him with Couturier. It's like ah. Yeah. So there's you're. You are you're filling up these spots that we we got rid of with guys who are already on the team, and you're not filling them with guys who weren't playing last year. No, like you're not like because Bobby Brake is going to try and get that is going to try and get there. I, I guess you could of all the right wingers, I think Cam Atkinson would have the best success transitioning to the left side. He's a veteran; he could do it. If I yeah, was a betting I man, York played, and Allison are going to be in the left. Or uh, Atkinson and Allison are going to be in the left next year. I could see that. and Because I think that Forrester and Brink are going to be fighting for those roster spots. Yep. And I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. if You don't want to put Forrester on the fourth line. No. You don't want to do that. Third line at minimum. 
And Brink, I mean, I guess you could put him on the fourth line, but like, no, no, hell, hell, for- hell, fuck him. This guy's five foot three. You don't want him on your fourth line. Bobby Brink exactly. is awesome. He was my favorite player in Lehigh last season, and, and I think I mean, he was be... not. Oh, he he was coming off his hip. I mean, he flat out said during development camp, like I was fucked. I shouldn't have come back when I did, and he was not good because of it. But man, that kid's passion and determination, that work ethic, there, absolutely. Yeah. When he does make that roster, he's, he's going to be a torts be, guy for sure. I think he's but... going to be a solid third line right winger for the future. Because, like I said earlier, uh, your one, two, three on the right side of being Mitchkov, Forster, and Brink. That is good. That will be going to be Konechny, Tippett, Hathaway, and Mitchkov on the fourth line. And, <laughs> and Forster and Brink still in the AHL. The one thing, like the biggest glaring place that we have Ooh, no hard. depth at is the left wing. And we didn't sign a single left winger. If we had gotten like a depth left winger, I could kind of understand that. I still don't think it's as big a deal to ask a right a right winger to play the left. I, I I'm bigger that of all the positional, it's not that it's not as bad as a defense or a center yes. to winger, winger to center. But it's still not ideal. No, no, no. no. But you know, I just like I just think that there was no real reason for a lot of these signings. I get the Ryan Paling one. He get. He's a Paling better makes sense, liner. especially because John Tortorella hates Tanner Lozinski. So that is a yeah. uh, way to With, replace him. Because Tanner Lozinski was was always my pick of being like that guy who, who you can slot into that 4C position. But obviously, Tortorella isn't a big fan of his. So Ryan, getting Ryan Paling makes sense. I, I don't mind that signing. I don't really mind the Victor Mete signing because I don't think he's really – I think he's going to play in the AHL. Which – Depending on how this Emil Andre situation breaks out, they desperately need a lefty in the AHL. Yeah, uh, I can't. No. I, I think. I, I mean, I don't know exactly how all of it. What? How, how exactly did it all play out with Emil Andre? But apparently, he uh, kicked a lot of acid. Emil almost killed Elliot Dana. Eh? So that yeah. was good. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, but I I do wonder if he has a roster. There's another fucking guy, Andre. If he's ready, he's not making the NHL. No. He can't make the end. You have so many fucking left-handed defensemen right now that there's just no room it's for this just, guy. It, you know, another guy, I, I don't know if you've talked about the Ivan Fedotov situation that's been going on recently. He's coming over, but he's not coming over. But he may come over, but he's probably not coming over. But he may come over, but maybe he's not coming over. And he has orange yeah. bads now, so he's going to come over. But just kidding. No, he's not. Russian. not going to be friendly. Fuck you, Flyers. You're screwed. Sorry, Fedotov. So my my... I mean, obviously, if anyone's if anyone's wondering about the whole Fedotov situation, I, I Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the is that mutual agreement like, is that like a, a written in stone thing, or is that just like a gentleman's agreement? So they used thing? to have a MOU between the KHL and the NHL that right. essentially prevents them from poaching talent, and that yeah. because of the war in Ukraine no longer exists. So, theoretically, there's nothing stopping this from happening, but there's still that unwritten rule of nobody's fucked with either side of that one yet. Okay, so I, I was correct in thinking that it's it's like a gentleman's agreement at this point. Yes, we're, it's a complete say, unspoken handshake yeah. right now. Yeah. And so, because it, there were reports early on a few days ago saying that uh, CSKA, well, the KHL was not going to uh, process so Fed, okay, let's set the stage here. Yeah. Fedotov's contract with the Flyers rolled over to this year. Yeah. Because he was fucking abducted by the military in conservative time. So he's here 
under contract the Flyers this year. Russia wants to sign him to a two-year extension. Now, if they do that, you're directly fucking with his NHL contract. So this is where the back and forth comes here. Exactly. Of the Russians want to sign him. Will they? Can they? And it's that's been the rumor is like, hey, they won't do it at first. And then a few hours later, it's like, just kidding. They really want to. So uh, I don't think there's been much follow-up since then. But uh, Yeah, I haven't seen anything about that. But And I've, I've thought about it. It's like, if the KHL decides that, that they – because Bill Daly has come out and said – that Ivan Fedotov's contract with the Flyers is valid. Yes. And that he has a contract with the Flyers for this upcoming 23-24 season. And so if the KHL decides that they don't give a shit and they're going to they're gonna allow CSK to sign him, first of all, I think that's not really good for the KHL because if we're getting into a spending war... If you're getting into a spending war, especially at this <laughs> point, given the ruble is practically worthless, you're, the uh, NHL is going to win. Yes, and now it'd so, be getting about it goes about getting these people out of Russia to get them here in the first the place. Beyond part, that, yeah. you know, but and, if they really wanted to, hey, you signed Mitchkov that nine twenty five U.S. That's ELC. The, that's the bigger thing there. How would that affect? That is that's the, the whole thing. Trade? That to me is the bigger story. Yep, I would trade. Listen, at this point, and I don't think this should be controversial at all. I would let Fedotov stay in Russia if that means Mitchkov comes over to the Flyers, and. If there's a Flyers fan out there who says, no, that's stupid, I'm going to tell you to get fucking lost. Kick some rocks. <laughs> Throw one at your head. Maybe that might knock some sense into you. Obviously, ideally, Jesus. we get Fedotov and Mitchkov over here. But also, I'm at a point where if, this, if, if the KHL says they're not going to let CSKA sign him to a contract since he's got the contract with the Flyers... But CSKA is like, well, then we're just not going to let him leave. We're going to make because CSKA is affiliated is is affiliated with the military yes. and is government owned. So if they say like, hey, let's let's prevent Fedotov from leaving again. I thought a key piece of that rumor, by the way, was that he was apparently in Dubai on vacation. He he was in Dubai. So like, he, I think he get on a plane left. and get to America, you shithead. What are you waiting for, like, <laughs> dude? <laughs> Pull an Alexander McGillney on them. Like, get him the fuck out of there. Run him through the Finnish countryside and get him on a boat and send him over <laughs> like, here. What are we doing? Think, but I'm thinking, like, if I'm Danny Briere and I'm not saying we're going to invalidate our contract, I'm thinking one of two things. Either if, if CSKA is not going to let him come over, if they're going to do things to prevent Fedotov from coming over, um, because uh, I read that CSKA got rid of their starting goalie from last year in hopes, it, it, believing that to they would get the role to him. Fedotov, mm-hmm. believing that Fedotov would be theirs. So if I'm Danny Briere and they're not letting him come over, I would either see if they would allow him, if he could do, if they could do like this, like loan thing. Like if they could either say, we do have a contract with him, but we'll allow you to to sign into a contract or doing like a loan. So like letting him play there, because the last thing you want is if is if he starts to be if he's allowed to come over at some point in the near future. But let's say Danny Briere doesn't let them doesn't allow them to give him a contract. He's keeping him from playing hockey. And so there's going to be some resentment towards the Flyers and Danny Briere from Fedotov's end, um, in my opinion. 
resentment from playing oh. hockey. He was abducted by the military a year ago. Russia's preventing I, him from playing hockey. I know there's there's parts on both sides. I think there's blame on both sides. I I'm not sure what how exactly he would feel. I'm sure he's not too happy with the Russian military for doing what they did to him last year. But if he's not allowed to play hockey for a full year, he's going to find resentment towards. I don't know. I, I think you're sides. vastly overthinking be, what the fuck this whole situation thinking, is going on. In I the first could be overthinking all this. Yeah. But obviously, <laughs> the whole big thing is trying to find a good way, a way to keep good relations with the KHL and Russia, especially with trying before Matt Bayman. And the only way to do that. Is they invalidate his contract in Russia and he comes over to North America and you keep the peace and you keep everything going, this handshake agreement that you have. Because if it's off the table, things get very messy and the KHL's not yep. going to win that battle, plain and simple. No, they won't. They, they're outdueled in money. Sweet Christ, resources. It's hot in here, by the way. Fuck off. Get so heated talking about this Flyers team sucking. Get on Travis Sanheim's extension here and friggin' hate kicks up in this room. Although, talking about goalies as well, I mean, I'm not sure if we're necessarily in the in the need portion for like needing a goalie, especially like in the pipeline. Because I mean, Sam Erson's played what like nine NHL games. He looked good in like in the first six or so. Not so good in the last like three or four. But am I convinced that he's the goalie of the future? Not right now. Could he be? Possibly. I think Hart has a better as a as a way higher ceiling than Urson at the point at this point. And getting Fedotov over would be nice, but I'm gonna keep him I'm I The don't problem think with Fedotov is like he's a very highly touted Russian guy, obviously, but you have no idea what he's gonna be on North American ice. Exactly. You know, he could, he could be great. He could be the next Bobrovsky and shit like that. But at the end of the day, he could come over and not adapt well at all and fail miserably just like Carlos Domingo and just be a worthless guy in the, in the system. Exactly. Plus, we just drafted uh, Carson, Carson B. What a fucking hell of a name, by the way. He was also the number one ranked goalie in this draft. He was number two ranked goalie. He was number one ranked North, North American goalie. Yeah. Oh, because I saw an NHL article where they were ranking all the goalies and they had him ranked as number one of the one overall. guys was first overall. Okay. Well, okay. So we got a top two goalie in the draft. Now, there's another interesting thing. Like, the Flyers have two draft pick, have two first rounders next year as of right now, and I would expect them to get more, more draft picks next oh, year. Oh fuck! I thought that going to this year too, and they said, "No, fuck you, Daniel." I I know we're gonna it, keep it, Travis Connect in front of the year just to piss you specifically off. Could blow up in my face, but two key things. That the Flyers need right now. More right wings and more left-handed defensemen. <laughs> could be available in the next draft. If we get that first overall pick, Macklin Celebrini is is our 1C of the future. Morgan and Frost this- is our 1C of the future, Noah. <laughs> Morgan Frost. Learn you the name. You say that in jest, but that could actually happen. Oh, fuck, I know it could happen. It's a fucking problem. Man. And then... This Sean Couturier's our also... one C. This guy's got seven years left, Noah. Oh my God, don't remind Couturier. me. <laughs> but, but there's also not a fan of Couturier draft... over there, Dan. No, Dan, you you no you called that way back when. Oh yeah, off that sulky year, man. Should have traded him then. Yeah, he was, had a great contract. 
Selkie winner yeah. on a four point three million contract, That's the correct. supposed prime That's of his correct. career. Hell of a trade ship. Selkie. Just kidding. Let's re-sign him. Then he goes through multiple back surgeries in a few years. And I don't, I don't understand yeah. the love. Period. This... I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he is. He's never been a one C ever, ever, ever. Yep, I would agree. I, I always had a hard time pinning him as a one C. He had that great season <laughs> when he won the Selkie, but. Besides that, I mean, he's been a really solid. Hell, his great two season guy. wasn't even the year he won the Selkie. His great tro- his great season was seventeen eighteen. He played with Giroud true. that year too. Yeah, and he rode shotgun with Giroud all those years. What the hell is that guy gonna do? Everyone's talking. Oh, you know, if he comes back at seventy five percent and fifty points, I'm like, who is he gonna you know carry him this year to fifty points? Exactly. Oh, did anybody even score fifty points last year? <laughs> like, uh. But I, mean, I was going to say the, the Gaturier thing to me is fascinating because he, I mean, he was, you know, slow back then and the game uh, two years later, guys, I mean, I, I it's still really fast. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's getting really fast. fast. We'll, we'll see how his hockey smarts will, will serve him. But man, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he probably I, I, just I, I can't imagine you know, the two back surgeries thing, you know, and the procedures were never just... publicly known. But this is stuff that, like, normally human beings, like you or I go under back surgery, we would have trouble recovering from. It's basically just to live, right? Let alone trying to play a professional sport at a high level. You know, this guy's a smart player. A he's very good defensively. But holy shit, can you imagine what he's going to... There was a clip last year, and I, I think it was Jordan Hall that tweeted that. He's like, oh, you know, when Sean Couture's working his way back, look at the speed on this guy. And I'm like, he's moving like a fucking cruise ship right now. <laughs> The speed on this guy. Fuck. We're so screwed. Between the yeah, knee injuries and the back problems. Oh, my God, this guy. Luckily, his hockey IQ is good. He is probably a guy you can post on the fourth line for the rest of time at eight minutes a night in a pure PK roll, and it'll be fine. Top six True. minutes in a two-way roll. Holy shit. I think you're screwed. I was uh, Getting back to what I was trying to talk about this upcoming draft. This upcoming draft is... Uh, is pretty loaded with right hand elite right-handed talent on the back end. Okay. And so I think like there there are I mean we got David Yurchek's brother Adam is in this draft. He's a right-hand defenseman. We got a guy Henry Muse, he's a right-hand defenseman. And the top guy Artem Lev uh Lev Shunov, I believe is how you say his name, is also a right-hand defenseman. And they're all supposed to be like top 10. And they all project to be good right-hand defensemen. So and who's so, the top left-handed defenseman? That's the most important this, question. This guy, Aaron Kiviharyu. There you go. That's who we should get. Just in case. I mean, he was called uh, for a while the best defensive prospect since Deline. <laughs> so. <laughs> Deline's like 23. How long has it been since he was four years? Ooh. I mean... Hey, when you're when you're putting when you're talking close to Darlene, I, I don't think that's that bad. But I would prefer a right hand defenseman, obviously. But you know, because outside of Oliver Bonk, the only other right hand defenseman the Flyers have ever drafted was Kevin McCarthy in 1977 at 17th overall. I think at, well, Adams already right now. Yeah, but he wasn't drafted in the first round. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you didn't say that yeah. the first time, Noah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant to say the only no, like, in the first round. I find that's that hard to believe that they've only drafted two right-handed defensemen in 60 years or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. I thought I said, oh, 
they've only drafted two right-handed defensemen in the first round. Got it. Got that, that's what I meant to say. Hmm. That's my bad. Well, for, well, years, I was, for years, they never developed defensemen. For years, all the best no. defensemen were acquired in trades. Exactly. Mark Howe, Eric Desjardins. Yep. Of the Watt, I believe both the Watson, neither of the Watson brothers were drafted, were they? Both were. Drafted both by were. us? Okay. I know at least one of them was. I'm not sure about that. Uh... I thought I thought one was in the expansion draft. We have Google. Oh, yeah. Jim Watson. I think Joe was an original, an original like '67 flyer. Jesus, tap dancing Christ! Don't look up Jim Watson. It takes you to James Watson, the American nuclear biologist. He looks like the <laughs> goddamn crypt keeper. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you think of like all these big names in the like Ivan Provorov might have been our best defenseman that we drafted and developed, possibly. I mean, like this is this will also be this is going to show my age because I, <laughs> it was twelve, I mean, by the way. <laughs> the draft of defenseman has never been a never yeah, been a, a flyer trade. It's always I been three like, trades. Uh, I know Ben Wilson was a was a decent flyer for a bit, and we drafted him. That's one. That's a good. Um, Jimmy Watson was drafted by the Flyers. Joe was not. Okay. So I mean, Jimmy Jim Watson was a pretty good was pretty good as well with those Cup teams. So I mean, like there's a couple. But yeah, you look at like all the top defensemen that have played in our. Whenever you think of like defensemen in the Flyers, you think of, I at least for me, I think of Chris Pronger, Eric Gustafson, Hatcher, <laughs> Nick Sealer, Nick Sealer. Yeah. He had that goal, that Keith one goal. Yandel. Well, no, we're forgetting the best. We're forgetting the best Flyers defenseman of all time, Sam Samuel Moran. Samuel Moran. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who was happier after that goal. You or Sam? <laughs> I was, that was legitimately the only bright spot the Flyers have had in the last like five years. Was that <laughs> Sam Moran goal? Was that his only goal of his career? That uh, one goal. It was the only point of his NHL career. Huh? Oh wow! Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was jumping for joy after that. That I I felt really. That felt really cool to see him get a goal. We don't get many feel-good moments as Flyers fans these days, so you got to take them <laughs> when you get them. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, like, like you said, Dan. Like Which they, one? There's two Dans. Dan Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> the one who said that we don't draft and develop defensemen. That that's 100 percent correct. Because like I was like, the top defenseman you think of, Chris Pronger, uh, Kimo Tiemann, and uh, Mark Howell, Eric Desjardins. All trades. Like, all trades. Yep. And when you have defensemen that you can potentially develop, uh, you sign Mark Stahl instead, and you leave him on the curb. Oh, wait. Sorry, Andrew Zemul McDonald. I'm sorry. I forgot about Andrew McDonald. Oh, another, oh my God. <laughs> another horrific one. Oh my Our God. Lord and Savior, oh, yeah. Andrew McDonald. <laughs> but, yeah, it it really is just it, – it's so weird to look at the Flyers being as old as they are and – like they don't have that homegrown defenseman that they that they could uh, they could say oh yeah he was he was a possible Hall of Famer like no like I said possibly possibly Provorov is our best homegrown defenseman maybe and that was gone yep <laughs> yeah now not even here right <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. hey remember when uh <laughs> I always just think of that picture. That they posted, Flyers posted 
what, like 2014, 2015, it was like future. And it was like Robert Hag, Shane Gossesbear, Travis Sanheim, and Moran uh, was the one in that picture. Moran. And then it was one of the beach when Provera was involved as well. Yeah. The future. It's like the future. <laughs> yeah. And then there was one. Yeah, the, arguably the worst one of the fucking five of them is the one that's yeah, still yeah, here. Arguably the worst one. <clears throat> and Dan, I do agree with you that I think that if if not for injuries, I believe that Sam Moran would have been a really solid defenseman. I've been fine. He I fell into he... the same trap that these guys are falling in now. It's like, we're going to draft these guys. We're going to jerk off to our prospect depth. But we're going to make sure they never actually play in the NHL. Like, this, there, there's a very Ron Hextall undertone happening this time around as well with some of these prospect depths. Um, yeah, I mean... I will say one prospect that I'm very excited to see in his second season. I'm very excited for Noah Cates. I loved his game this past year. I he got some Selkie votes as well. I think he I think he finished. Uh, I think he finished top five in Calder. He got to the shit up. No, for both, I, I can. Yeah. I think he's um, arbitration too. He's he was one of the. Uh, he, is, he is going yeah. to arbitration. Um. I, I'm pretty sure he got some sulky votes as well this year. He should he, he should have. Uh. uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Hold so great on. airtime right Heart here. Memorial, Lady Bing, Vesna, Calder. No, Calder. Uh. He was ninth in Calder voting. All right. And fuck, 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 fuck. I don't know where he was. 15th in sulky voting. So, I mean, like, that's solid for a first year. For He was drafted in, I believe, the fifth round. Something like that, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I'm very excited for his game next season. Yeah, I can't wait for him to be stifled because Sean Couturier is back and they're going to play the exact same role. You know, if it was if it was like a four year contract for like closer to seven than eight million, I wouldn't have as big of a problem with it. And obviously we couldn't we couldn't fully see that he'd have two back surgeries in a row. But it, it, it wasn't the back problems I, at the time. It was the knee problems at the time that had yep. me worried. Because that was the time yeah. Radko Gudis tried to kill him for like three years in a row there with those Jeez. knee problems. Yeah. And what what was he out for during the 20, that shortened season, the, the 2020? He fucked up his ribs or something like that. And... Shoulder, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it was a shoulder I thought Morgan cartilage Frost problem was, or something. I thought Morgan Frost was the shoulder. Yes, that's true. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He got called up, played one game, and then destroyed his shoulder like three shifts in or something like that. Yeah. I think Sean Couturier did get something with his I thought like one of his ribs did. Yeah, it was a rib cartilage problem or I something. Think, like yeah. Yeah, and so that was concerning. Um, so Cates is going to arbitration, which is hilarious because what the fuck kind of deal is he going to get that you have to go to arbitration for one year in his career? I guess York did not, so I guess then we're going to work something out there. Um, woohoo. And Frost. Uh, Jake, uh, Sean Couturier exited the second game of the pandemic-delayed season after only 45 seconds on the ice. It was later revealed he 
uh, he had separation. One of his ribs tore away from the attached cartilage. Ooh, sounds painful. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was after all those D problems. Because remember, everyone keeps going on about that, what, like game five against Pittsburgh in 2018, where he had like the hat trick on like a torn, was it MCL or ACL? Something like Something that, man. On a bum knee. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then he. Then he I have that. not thought about the 2018 Penguin series since it happened. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> God. But yeah, I mean, like, they're. It, that contract does not look good with this current. With, with it looks what great. We know now. He's a one C, legit Selkie winning one C. He'll be back. You'll see. Hey, that's my Selkie trophy winner. You're talking oh, about. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No. It. Oh my god. I can't. I. I. I totally forgot Sean Couturier existed for a good part of this season. It has happened multiple being... times when we record these shows and we'll talk about something, brainstorming the roster, and I pull up Cap Fran and I look, and he and Atkinson are there, and I'm like, God damn it! Because yeah, I, I thought they thinking, exist. Like, I started thinking like, what could a what could a future like center core look like? I'm like, Celebrini, Morgan Frost, Noah Cates, and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Where the, the most hell expensive fourth line center of all time, Sean Couturier. <laughs> Hey, he'll be there with uh, with with uh, Nick Delorier and his no trade clause. He and Travis Sandheim are going to be under contract until twenty thirty. Dan, didn't you say it was it between Lawton and Couturier? I mean, those guys are going to be they're going to out flyer Bobby Clark. I mean, they're going to have they very well could. Yep. Now, Shung, Bobby, I need to look, look up Couturier's thing here because uh, Bobby Clark Bobby Clark's career was from what? I think Clark's career was 15, 69 to 84 ish. Look it up. I can check I, it. I think it was something like that because I know that his breakout season was in 71, 72, I believe. That sounds right. I know it was either 71, 72, or 72, 73 is when he like broke out. Travis Sanheim, Sean. Okay, so yes, uh, Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark first played with the Flyers for the sixty-nine seventy season, and his last season was eighty-three eighty-four. Fifteen years. Yep. What's Couturier going to finish at if he if he finishes this contract? Bobby Couturier's Clark been here. has one thousand one hundred forty-four games as a Flyer. If Couturier plays every game for the remainder of the seven years, he'll be at 1,295. So he would pass Clark, provided he can stay healthy for the whole time. I highly doubt he sees through that contract in its entirety. But, if, you want to, if you want to sum up this era of Flyers hockey, that's it right there. Yep. 82 times 8 for okay. Sanheim is 656, plus is 416, 1,072. So he would pass Giroux, but be short of Clark. Provided he plays every game of that contract, which at this point is our own possibility. Oh my god! I really hope that. So there you go. You're one, two, three in Flyers history. Be Sean Couturier, Bobby Clark, and Travis Sanheim, and games played. I Dan Marcus, your your point to where that report about Travis Sanheim being, I, I guess maybe he might be upset with the trade talks. That could mean that he would want. 
that he'd be okay with uh, with waiving his no Did trade. Do you clause? remember JVR's quote at the trade deadline where he's like, "Man, I thought I was going somewhere else, but now I'm still here." And I was just like, "Ah, he was so disappointed that he didn't get traded." He's finally gone. Oh my god, I just. I, I jumped for joy I when wonder. I found out that JVR signed with the Bruins. I was so happy that the uh, Flyers didn't so bring happy. him back. But, you know, I know that after that halfway through, the full no trade clause turns into a 16 no trade clause. Yeah, four years from now. Yes, four years. But I, I do wonder if the Flyers found a trade partner. And if Sandheim really is is upset. as he got upset his feelings their, hurt. Hmm. I wonder if he would waive his no trade clause if they found a deal for him. I wouldn't waive it just to be a dick. You want me gone? Fuck you! I'm staying <laughs> here for this deal. Dan, Dan advocating for Travis Sanheim to stay on the team. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day. Well, I didn't advocate it. I predicted it. I never advocate for Travis Sanheim on my hockey team, but because <laughs> oh my god, if we could get rid of Travis Sanheim. That would be just fantastic. We can make room to sign the other Stalbrim. I'll say this, though. I, on, on Sarah Valley's podcast, he made it sound like moving him, and he was citing Winnipeg and Calgary as, as not that big a shore. But again, with the no trade, I mean, who the hell knows? I feel like Winnipeg or Calgary could be one. I think maybe Winnipeg more than Calgary, but also they're, they're weird with uh, – Winnipeg and Calgary are both weird destinations because they're in this weird... I'm pretty sure Calgary would love somebody right now that would actually want to play for them and can't leave the team. Yeah. Because their mass exodus is getting crazy at this point. And that's the thing. I'm sure they would love to have, considering they're going to get rid of Noah Hannafin because he's not going to resign. Like, would Travis Sanheim really want to go to a team like Winnipeg or Calgary who's kind of in a limbo? He just signed a long-term extension for the Flyers. He clearly doesn't sure. give a single shit about the competitive nature of the team he joins. He wants to go back to Bumblefuck Canada and be on a farm. You know, that sounds like a great deal for both of us, and he should probably go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, I, I think that he... I do think that if the Flyers were to make a trade between uh, with Calgary or Winnipeg for Sanheim that Sanheim would waive his no trade clause. If there was a deal to be had, they would have made it last week, and they didn't. I I think that's the bigger issue there. That is the big issue. You know, this may be a next summer kind of thing when the cap goes up and teams feel a little more uh, willing to make deals, but my guess is easier for at least this season. Um, and if he yeah. wants to be a dick, he keeps his no trade and stays here for at least four more years. So, great. Lovely. The new era of Flyers oh, hockey, starting no. off with 30-year-old Sean Couturier, 34-year-old Kim Atkinson, and Travis Sanheim, who's locked in for the rest of time. Cool. Man, I forgot I forgot Cam Atkinson. I feel so bad because I, I like Cam Atkinson. He seems like a generally great guy. He is guy. so out of place on this roster right now. Like, like what is... is he doing? <laughs> like... <laughs> He's such a... I've heard nothing but great things about this guy, and the nicest human being just, you're ever going to meet. And it's like, and, and I just want him off my team for no other reason than just a roster spot for a younger guy. Hey, he's not the oldest guy anymore. Mark Stahl is. So. That's, oh my yeah. god! I thought Mark Stahl was going to retire after this year. I thought both Mark and 
Eric Stahl were going to retire. Right off into the sunset together. Yeah. I mean, why not? I, I th- oh, he went to a cup final. Eric's already got a Stanley Cup anyway. I guess Mark is the one who is more likely to be like, oh, well, nah, I fuck, fuck, well, why would he come fuck, here? Wants a Adam, ring. He ain't got no ring here. He probably did not have many offers, is my guess. Well, that's also true. Nobody's not. dumb enough to sign him besides the Flyers. I wonder if, like, Danny Briere in, like, in the as a part of the uh, negotiations, like, dude, we can flip you to a contender at the deadline. It's like, who, who's going to want him? Right. Unless he builds his stock back up somehow. But, yeah, who's going to want him? Yeah, he's like, going to have a career renaissance at 36 years old. <laughs> unlike, unlikely, he's gonna have twelve <laughs> points. He's gonna light look out, Kale McCarr. Here comes Mark Stahl, ready to finally break out. Fifteen years into his career, whatever it is. I heard, I saw that uh, Eric Johnson left the Avalanche. Are they interested in a? Uh, There's another forty-year-old defenseman. Why not? And he's a left shot. I oh, know he's a righty. That's not true. He's a righty. Maybe oh, yeah, he's a lefty. I don't remember. I think Eric Johnson. I think Eric I think he's Johnson. a righty because I made fun of him because he's so fucking goddamn valuable in this shitty right-handed defenseman. Yeah, Eric Johnson, I believe. He is if, a righty. Yeah. So at least he he has more value than, than Mark Stahl at this moment. That's not really hard to, uh, to be completely honest. Mark Stahl. Of all people. Of all people. Although, uh, Aline Vigneault also, uh, he announced his retirement today. Yeah, the Flyers Hold broke on. his spirit and he retired. I saw that. Yeah, so, Aline. He Aline. deserves so much better than what the Flyers gave him. Oh, my God. He's one so, of the only people in this organization over the last handful of years that I will actively go to bat for. Is Aline Vigneault. Yeah. You, you, will go to, you will go to bat for music. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that he was given a shit. A shitty situation. To be fair, no coach in the past like fifteen years has been given a good situation with the Flyers. Yeah, so <laughs> that's it's not a lot to say. It's a low bar. It's a very low bar. Hey, you had it better than the last. Guy. I would still love well, to know because... what happened in the the bubble that that where everything just fell off the rails. How you had that 1920s and great in the 1920s season overall was not very good. They just had that run right before the pandemic hit where they, they got their shit together. But like something happened in that bubble or Niskanen left and the team turned on AV and everyone hated each other and all this stuff happened. Like something happened in that bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I think even Meltzer someone tweeted just the other day after this announcement saying that after they came out of the bubble and he came back the next year that he clearly his he was he was done. He his passion for coaching was done and he was mailing it in. I mean, after coaching the Flyers, I wouldn't have much more inspiration for coaching. <laughs> Co- yeah, coaching that 2020 21 version of the Flyers. I'd quit too. Break my spirit and retire. <laughs> I'm surprised that the Flyers fired him and he didn't just say peace out. I don't even care if I get the rest of my money. Are they Bye. still? Yeah, are they still paying him? I think. I think they're still paying him through this year. I think. Yep. I think. I believe so. Maybe. I don't know. Does his retirement work he... like that? Is he still getting paid if he actually retires? Maybe that's why he didn't retire oh. for the last few years. He's still under payroll, and this was the first year he wasn't. I don't know. I would need to look that up. But either way, 
I thought he had two years left on his contract uh, when they fired him, which would has be it not even been two years since he got fired yet? Jesus Christ! No, because John Tortorello that last year, this past season was John Tortorello's first year. I feel like it's been thirty years since Levy was head coach. <laughs> I know. I had to think about that. I'm like, Elaine. I believe Vino got fired like in in twenty, I believe early twenty twenty two. Philadelphia Flyers uh, da, 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 fired on December 6, 2021. Ah, uh, late. Okay. I was a bit a bit late, but yeah. So this would so have been he was fired the second year. Two it, seasons you know. ago. Sorry. Yeah, so he gets paid through, I think, this season, I think. I think That's... this is, I believe he signed a four-year deal. Yeah. Gosh. I may be confusing that with John Tortorella's deal, because John Tortorella. They probably both do. Year. That's a pretty common uh, That I coaches, feel like that yeah. is, a, yeah. Tortorella's deal is a four-year deal. That is that I know. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Vino also got a four-year deal. Yeah. But well, yeah. I think it was all the major talk. We just passed an hour here. So, Dan, your closing thoughts on the Flyers' off-season and what you expect for the uh, season ahead. Um. Well, Dan, first, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Um. I would say that uh, off season was is encouraging, but ultimately a, a little disappointing. Uh, you know, uh, would have liked a few more moves, a Sandheim, a connect me, or something like that. Would have, would have been terrific. But I, I am a little, I am encouraged by by the by the Briere Jones, uh, you know, triumvirate or whatever they're called, the uh, the duo. The I guess. triumvirate of leadership. I guess I get the menage a trois, as I've been calling them. Or did but, you hear uh, that uh, Danny Heatley might be getting yes. a job? What a yeah. fucking random name to pull out of their ass to come yeah, join know, the team. Right? Danny I'm... Heatley. I was like, there's no way that's real. And then Meltzer tweeted or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is that connection? Where, where I have that no from? clue where that came from. Like, you know, at least Patrick Sharp, like Patrick Sharp had that. Uh... Sharp and the Claire, former Flyers, at least. Like, yeah. there's some kind con- like, how is like, Danny not, Heatley attached I'm to the Philadelphia Flyers? I'm not upset at that at all. I was, that was so out of left field. For yeah, usually I can piece it together, guys. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't. The, the six I degrees of separation here <laughs> yeah. between Danny Heatley and the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I, I don't, what, what, I don't know was what that. Danny Heatley on, I guess, was Danny Heatley on the, on the Ottawa Senators between, uh, when that big uh, fight happened? Oh, you know, wow. Four? Because maybe that's the connection. I don't. <laughs> Actually, no. He was probably on the Thrashers because didn't I believe he was drafted by the Thrashers. He was an original Thrasher. That I do know. Shark at that point. Is that later? Two thousand. It was a Thrasher in 0304. Okay, so then he wasn't on there that year. No, so that's not. Oh yeah, because he was the he was the driver that killed uh, in the car crash yeah. with Dan Snyder. He was a Good senator, boy. shark, wild duck, so it doesn't look like there would have been any over John Tortorella lapping. I don't think Briere would have crossed paths with him. I don't think. He... I don't know. I'm gonna have, have to sit down and figure that one out. Go through <laughs> Dan Heatley's <laughs> career and figure out what exactly the connection is between these guys. Ugh. Yeah, I was. I saw they're like, oh, Danny Heatley might be joining the fire. I was like. What? I wasn't expecting that. Like, sure. At least he's a scout, not like a general manager or something. Yeah. Right. 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 Ugh. Yeah. I just, I just remembered that. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess we'll uh, call it a day here before I sweat to death in this room. 
Um, this show's going up next week sometime, so the schedule, we got a bunch of pre-recorded for you flyers, a bunch of pre-recorded flyer side chats, the best of flyer side chats are coming up as well, um, so all kinds of pre-recorded stuff you'll be hearing over the summer, I'm gonna record a few more shows this week, next week, and then take the summer off, having a break, but there'll be plenty of shows, plenty of stuff still on the website, so, um, at Dan the Flyer Fan, at Billy Pocket Billy, underscore pod, and, uh, plenty of shit on the website, brotherlypocket.com, and, uh, Noah! Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Flyers24 with the F is a PH. Oh, God, Jesus. Fucking stupid goddamn Twitter. I don't want <laughs> and Dan! I'm on Twitter at DMARC107. See? Nice and easy, Noah. Take a freaking lesson. <laughs> I did have my I did have it my first initial and last name, but then someone, someone threatened to... Uh, ex- Someone threatened something against me, so I was like, I'm gonna not put my last name out there. You literally so, I mean, you know, we're not even gonna get into this. You write for know, a website! Know, Noah before, Kaplan! That's that your handle, that's what that. you're on this show. Noah! That was before I was on the website though. Oh, I, that's why I changed it. All right. We'll get you some internet safety tips in a little while, Noah. How about that? That'll be your <laughs> present for the off season. Alright, everyone. Dan, thanks very much for copping on. Noah. You know. And until <laughs> next time, everyone, goodbye and good night.